This is the Horse Radio Network. This is Lesson 46, an Equine Clicker 101 podcast on the Horse Radio Network. Make their first horse show positive. Equine Clicker 101 is a podcast that takes you to the class to learn and practice clicker training for your horse. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. They are Vianova Training and Cavalier Feed. This is Shauna Karish, and in today's episode, I'm going to discuss something that I think is little discussed, and that is the way to prepare your horse for going to its first horse show. How do we help to make this experience a, a good one? So many people that do positive reinforcement particularly think horse showing is quite unpleasant for horses. Well, it can be. (laughs) because oftentimes we don't really know how to prepare them to turn it into experience that they find intriguing and curious and, and, and great and set them up for success as well as ourselves. So we're going to discuss some ways to do that, some things to consider and, and ways to help it turn it into a great first experience. One of the things that people ask me all the time, they ask me on emails, they ask me in person is where can I find a clicker? Where can I find a side bucket? Where can I find a target? Where can I find a, a stick clicker? Where can I find a, a writing clicker? Where can I find a, a you know, book, video, whatever it might be. So you can go to uh, Shauna. If you look up Shauna Karish and that you will find either shaunacarish.com or you'll also find vianovatraining.com because those two are merged together. They're going to take you to essentially the same site. And so when you go there, you can find, if you go to my product page, you can find products and delve in to find out what I have available and what is going on there. You can also see where you can do go to the Ask Shauna questions and submit one there. You can listen to the podcast and find past episodes, but you can also go to Vianova and find out what the Vianova training and what we're up to out here in New Mexico. And you can sign up for our newsletter. So you learn more about who we are and what we are and what our our goal is out here in teaching people to become better with positive reinforcement training, teaching for horses. And then you can even sign up for a newsletter because at some point in time, we're going to be back out there teaching workshops here in New Mexico, as well as be out there on the road and teaching you as we go. So that's where you can go to learn more about it. So why don't we actually listen and we can learn a little bit more even about Vianova and our mission. At Vianova, our mission is to bring awareness of positive reinforcement training to the mainstream equestrian world from the top competitors to the casual enthusiast. It helps to create happy horses and ultimately improves the athletic performance. So if you are performing with your horse, it can help you to have a happy athlete or it can have you a happy trail horse, whichever you want. It creates a unique bond with your horse and it can be used to help save some behavioral issues on the ground or even under saddle. As I said, I'm based out of there and I have the expertise and experience that can help bring you to the next stage of the game. 
Also, Nova offers coaching and education and positive reinforcement that enhances any training program. And we're based in lovely Santa Fe, New Mexico. So it's a great place to come for workshops or positive reinforcement, but also enjoy the Southwest scenery shopping and dining. And boy, do we have good dining. Visit Vianovatraining.com and you can sign up for our newsletter and you can stay abreast of what's going on out here via Nova. All righty. Well, here we go. This is a really big subject. There's lots and lots and lots and lots of pieces and we're, we can't cover all the pieces, but I want you to really understand and think of what it, it looks like for your horse to go to a horse show at a new place. We kind of in the, um, one of the things we discussed when we talked about trailer loading in the in lesson number 16, we talked about unloading a horse at a new place. Well, that's one of the things that you can you can look at because that's where our horse show starts. <laughs> we unload them from the trailer and bam, it is just horses everywhere and announcers and flags and banners and and chaos and horses over threshold and 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 their their neighbor might not be with them or whatever it might be. It just starts off with a cacophony of stimuli. It's just everywhere. So, I think that Listening to that one may give you some ideas and remind you about unloading your horse in a new place and how to help them feel situated and how to make those approximations towards traveling for the first time to a new place and starting at the quietest place. So I'm going to really kind of encourage you to listen to that episode, to that lesson, and and and, and consider that as you go forward. And then the other component is, so that is where it starts. But as then we move on, there's all these different elements that we want our horses to be prepared for. So the other, there's another component in there that we talked about, and that is contact shift. Because this is another part, I think that was lesson 31. So contact shift is taking your training on the road. Because what that means is what we have solid at home doesn't mean it's going to be solid when we take them someplace else. So we're kind of putting these pieces together, but I really wanted to focus this on the show horse and the show situation. So as you, because I hear this all the time from people too, it's like his, you know, his, his flying lead chains are great at home, but at the show they were awful or I couldn't even get him in the gate at the show, which is another piece to it. Or I couldn't even, he was just running and jumping and running and he wasn't, you know, he wouldn't come back to me at all. All of that is a byproduct of shifting the context. And when we say shifting the context, we mean we took something that was so good in one particular area and we moved it to another area. And now they're going, oh my gosh, I am so over threshold, looking at all this other stuff and the judges stand and the people and the announcers and the, the you know, the music playing and the, you know, and 8,000 horses in the arena and all of those pieces are going to be a shift in, in context for most horses. You may be at a very, 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 very busy barn and that stuff will happen at home sometimes. But even then, the first time it happens at home, you've shifted the context. Now you have, you know, visitors there and doing things. So we're really talking about trying to address the different pieces of shifting the context, whether it's the ridden work, it's the focus, it is the, the, the housing situation. You know, now they're, they're in a stall. Oftentimes at horse shows, they're tense. 
and they're they're tiny stalls and they can't see their neighbors when maybe at home they can see their neighbors. Maybe it's their buddy next to them. We also have a little touch of separation anxiety that goes into the 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 showing process, whether it is that I'm not in my normal with my normal neighbor, maybe I have a different horse with me, but it's not my best neighbor, or maybe it's not my direct neighbor, but now you're my neighbor in the trailer. So I'm, I'm a little more attached to you. And then that horse goes away. You know, that horse goes off to go to the ring. And then your horse is like, well, uh oh, this became my security. Because what happens is when we take them to new environments like that, especially with so much going on, we really can trigger a lot of uh, insecurity. You know, it's unsettling. They don't know what to, what to happen, what's going, what to expect, what's going to happen, and so they can all of a sudden a horse who doesn't seem to have any separation anxiety at home can all of a sudden have separation anxiety in a place that they have anxiety. So they think the herd is safer. I want to be with the herd. I want to stay with the herd. So even that one horse can feel like they're herd and they, as they leave, they can become more insecure and feeling more lost or unsettled. So it is really important to me anyway, from my experience, if we're going to use positive reinforcement training, we have a really, really strong tool to help create a lot of confidence a lot of association with us and a way to turn this into a really good experience. Um, so utilizing the positive reinforcement and building up a really good, strong reinforcement history with us and with the training itself, we can bring a ton of comfort when we start to say, okay, let's just go out and walk around. We're just going to go for a walk and I'm going to take this target. Okay, I'll look a little odd at the horse show, but I can target and click and reinforce and target and click and reinforce and target and click and reinforce. And it does a lot for saying, you do know what this is about. These are things that produce endorphins and dopamines and we've worked on relaxation at home. So we're going to bring relaxation here. And as, as I talked about in that um, the episode where I talk about the target in general, with the target in general, what we have is we create a lot of security. And it was something I didn't know how strong it was. And that would be in lesson uh, number three. And we talk about context shift a little bit in lesson number four as well with a stationary target. But it is a way to... Uh, it's been, it was proven to me by horses over and over and over again. And I didn't know what to make of it at first, but they've shown that the target can represent good stuff, settling focus, and can actually bring a horse from over threshold to under threshold. Can. It doesn't mean if they're so far over threshold, they might not be able to come down, but we can utilize that to help teach this and create a good, solid uh, experience for them. So w one of the things, and I'm going to tell you a, uh, one of the things I want to start with is I want to kind of look at my horse and think, is this going to be something that is going to agree with you? And there's a story I want to tell, and it is, I had my horse Murray. And of course, you all know that I adored Murray. Murray was an off-the-track thoroughbred who had come so, 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 so far. He did not like life. He didn't feel safety or comfort in other horses, in people in grooming, in going places, seeing that nothing, nothing seemed to, to bring him comfort. So I set out to really classically condition his whole world because I wanted him to see every little piece 
was something that was good and brought endorphins and dopamine and comfort, just like the target did. So I set out to do that. So we go along, we're going along. It's going great. He's doing really well. I see this horse starting to blossom underneath of me. He's, he is, you know, he's having curiosity is coming in. He's starting to play with things with orally, which he wouldn't do at first. He's getting along better with other horses. He doesn't look so at first he just would freeze and not be, he wouldn't move around the other horses lest he do too much. He might get chased. Or then when he found out he wasn't going to get chased, and I put him with Minty at first in particular, then he thought, well, now I'm going to be the bully. You know, so then he was too much. I'm like, you can't be with Minty now because you're, you're being, you know, kind of aggro with him. And that's not very nice or very fair. So he didn't have to be around other horses. So he swung from one side to the other. Well, pretty soon he settled into the neutral where he could play, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't taking out his defensive, you know, frustration on him. It was, and he just changed on every single level. So then, and I teach him to load in the trailer and load at Liberty and this all goes great. And he's doing fantastic. And I take him to do a demo. And to me, this would be the ideal situation to take a new horse to for the first time traveling to a new place if he didn't have his history. But I didn't know exactly what he would do with this. And, and sometimes that big step, that next step is just a big one. The end. There's not, a, I couldn't break it down much smaller than this. So what I did is we took him and I took him to do a demo at a place here where they have a large indoor arena and it was for the American horse publication conference. So there's like 25, 30 people there. Maybe it's not, it's it, no horse show. No horses were being ridden. There was no chaos. There was no anything. I took him the night before him and mint together in the trailer. I take him and he is over threshold when he gets there. Okay. I'm not surprised at that. He was an off the track thoroughbred who traveling probably meant not great things, but I thought, you know, then I'll, I'll take him into the arena with Minty together. They go in together and they can kind of see the arena and then I'll do a little session with him in there. So he can kind of see, we're just doing my familiar things. And I thought by the next day, he would be in a better place. He would see that this is good. Next day, it, we take him to the arena for the actual demo. I think I may even turned him out beforehand, but I took him to the arena for the actual demo. I take Minty in first. So I demonstrate with him and Minty's as cool as a cucumber. He's done demos. Uh, he's, he was 27 or maybe 26 at this point. He had done demos, you know, 24 of those years. And he was just, he loves them. He's good. He's done it. He's great. He, you know, he was brought along nicely to see new things is good. So I thought that would be a good influence on him. And I could hear during demi the demo that, Murray standing right outside the arena where he could see me and Minty, he was screaming and he was screaming and he was screaming. So I said, okay, let's bring him in. And he, he was over threshold. Then I used a target and I could get him back and I got him back to focusing a bit. And I fed, 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 fed and took him back to Minty and took him away. And we went home and that was that. And what I realized from that, I don't think he ever, I think I could have taught him to tolerate doing demos I don't think it was ever going to be something that he would like or feel secure about. And maybe he would after a while. But to me, I made a decision and thought, I don't think this is good. Demos are not going to be your cup of tea. It's not worth it to you. So I need to pick. So a lot of horses, you can change that around. It was so entrenched and so fearful for him that I thought this is not 
I don't want to make you tolerate this. This is not what I want for you. So I think it's important sometimes to pick a horse that it's going to be appropriate and fitting for their personality. Now, I now have a horse named Henley. Henley is a yearling. Henley thinks the world was created for her. And she is very, very bold. My friend, Jessie Hilligas, who bred her, has her, uh, she brings them along with positive reinforcement. She exposes them to the world. They're in a very settled herd. So she, she is a type, she loves new things. She loves, she wants to go in to the construction site. She wants to, she just thinks it's all great. She will love doing demos if I bring her along pro- appropriately. She will. She's a very well-bred hunter, and I anticipate showing her as a hunter. She will love doing shows if I bring her along thoughtfully. So I think while she would, I think she'd get a new place and go, ooh, what is all this stuff? and want to see it, but I'm still going to put a lot of thought into it. So I may have horses that are middle of the road that I think I can get. I think he, I can help you to be like Henley when you go to new places. But I also do need to be thoughtful with Henley's experiences because if I introduce her to too much at one time, I can flood her. And flutter, flooding is a behavioral term that we do oftentimes unintentionally with horses, where what we do is we take something and we keep exposing them to it until they have no escape. And then they basically go into a learned helplessness. Sometimes we do this with flags. We keep doing this until we use the flag back and forth on them and they're panic and panic until they stop reacting. And people oftentimes think, well, look, now they're better. Well, actually, we most likely put them into a state of learned helplessness, which instead they all they've learned is all my fighting didn't work. So I'm not going to fight, but it doesn't mean their head thinks it's okay. Their head can still be in that panicky place. So if I just take a horse cold Turkey to a show and expose them to all these pieces, I may accidentally be flooding them. And what we know is flooding can result in, I mean, it doesn't always, but it, it really can result in, Instead of desensitizing, it can actually sensitize them not only to specific pieces, but to arbitrary pieces or even the world in general. So flooding is something I make a pretty big point of trying to avoid because it can be terrorizing for them and we can create PTSD in our horses. So I need to be still be thoughtful with Henley, who's bold and, and will go and see and do and and likes it all, but I'm still going to be sure that I do it in a systematic way where I can really make the most of every step along the way. So I've kind of touched on some pieces here and I touch on the pieces in the, the last of the trailer loading lessons is I want to start and do what I did with Murray. The very first thing I want to do is be able to take him to a new place and have it be quiet. You know, it's not a raucous, loud, people everywhere event. It is just kind of like, hey, here we are. I'm at a new place, but I can come off the trailer and do a regular ground session like I always have. And I will do that until I find that they're like, they're good. So I, I'll start by taking them to another part of the farm. And then you take them a little further and a little further till they're unloading in different areas they don't know. And then you start taking them to your neighbor's barn, which is relaxed and quiet. And, and you can build up on that. And then really when that is going well, the next thing I'll do is I will take them to a, a quiet local schooling show. So I want to have it be the most quiet, the, the smallest quietest, least, 
a chaotic show I can possibly find. So I wouldn't just go take them and think I'm going to go take them to a show and ride them. Like I may start taking Henley to shows next year, but not to show her. I mean, she's a yearling, but to take her and say, hey, look at our environment. You know, and let her see things and see new pieces and see and get exposed to the pieces. And we'll just do target work. We'll do liberty leading. We'll find a place where we can work together and do that. We'll walk around and explore new things. And I can make it a positive reinforcement experience for her. So she learns these trips outside of places are new. And then as I can slowly build up to add more and add more and add more. So that's kind of dealing with some of the pieces and and the show environment. But before I even consider that, I am one going to go to that show myself. So let's say it is, you know, maybe it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday show. So maybe I go over Friday morning and see what it looks like. Maybe not taking her there the most raucous of the days, but I want to take her there on the quietest of the days. So take her there and have her get to see some things. But I want to see what maybe even before I go to the show, I go to that same schooling show, you know, the month before and I go see what it looks like. What will she be exposed to here? So do they have an announcer on a PA system? Okay, maybe I need to prepare for that. Maybe I need to have her, you know, have the stereo playing when she's someplace. Maybe my voice needs to come over one of those portable little speakers so she can hear that. Maybe I need to see, okay, they do have banners in the arena. Do I have banners in my arena? Maybe I need to prepare for that. Okay, we're outside. Is the wind going and is it going to flap those banners? Maybe I need to prepare for that. Okay, so I get there and there's everybody has awnings set at the end of each row. Has she seen an awning before? Has she seen furniture before? Has she been in the arena with more than one person or even seen? I mean, because she'd be a baby and not showing, but has she even seen that? You know, has she seen a bunch of horses in an arena or will she feel like that's a stampede? So I'm going to try to anticipate and see all those things that she's first going to experience and think, okay, how can I recreate this at home or take her to? a friend's barn where maybe they have group lessons where she gets to see for students being taught and maybe they are on a microphone or so those are things to help you consider. So this is a part of experiencing those new components and putting them together. So we've touched on a lot of these areas already, but what I want you to do is think of in this situation, we're putting them all together. So lesson number eight, I'm giving you a lot of references to old lessons today, but these are because they're fundamental lessons and we go back to them. It's, it's part of everything else we do. We build upon these things. So lesson number eight is called systematic desensitization and uh, better handling systematic desensitization. Excuse me, that's a mouthful right now for some reason. Systematic desensitization and counter conditioning is actually a really big tool that I use for most everything. So listen to that episode and it's going to kind of tell you a little bit more about what that really looks like. But I will use systematic desensitization and counter conditioning for each of those components. Basically, it's just desensitizing her to each of those components. And the counter conditioning refers to taking it from being maybe a little scary to getting it neutral to getting it desirable. So it's think of scales. They're just like scales. And at one side, it's heavy on one side. On the side, it says, this might be a little overwhelming and not enough and maybe kind of not my best favorite thing to do. On the other side, the scales that are light, 
I every time I get a chance, I put a reinforcement on this side scale and I start rebalancing those scales. And pretty soon they think, ooh, new things means a new potential for positive reinforcement. It means I might get good things may happen until pretty soon we take that neophobic horse who's afraid of new things and goes, I love new things. New things means I might get, I, I might get, you know, I, I might get good things happening. And number 18 is another lesson. It's spooky objects. And again, number 18, so you have eight and 18, this, the, um, spooky objects is also involved systematic desensitization and counter conditioning. And in this situation, you take your horse to a show. I guarantee you they're going to find some spooky objects. So it is a good tool to have in mind. One of the things I did with Murray and he practiced this before he went is he would, I remember the first time him seeing, they were just paper tiles on the ground and they were just moved to a due place. So we walked by a normal gate that we go in and out of all the time to work in the Liberty paddock. And he said, what are those? And he was terrified of them. And so I just, as he looked at it, I clicked and fed and I looked at clicked and fed until eventually he was touching it and touching it with his nose. And once he started touching it with his nose, he started going, well, that's not that big a deal. He almost reinforced himself because what he thought was going to eat him and his fear is 100% legitimate and real. I can't, I can't say it's just paper tiles. It doesn't matter. It is his fear and it is his reality and I need to respect it. That's respecting his boundaries and thinking, well, let me give you coping mechanisms for when you meet new things and teach you that new things are good. Well, pretty soon in that lesson, he's pretty soon he's standing on, on those, those tiles. And so that was great. And so I continued on with this. We had construction going on. So I'd go up and say, see, look at that until pretty soon he would take his own initiative and think, I'm, I'm afraid of that. And I'd see it on his face and I'd see it in his nostrils and his eyes would be big and his posture would be high, you know, his head would be high, but pretty soon he's like, but I want to see it. I would click him trying to explore it until he learned to explore it. And I would see him settle because he would get to investigate it. And then what started happening is I could see him look at something and go, and then look away and let go of it and go, that's no big deal. And I would catch that and reinforce that choice to let it go. Instead of having to explore it, which was a phase, I taught him to, to let it go. Well, that is what you're going to find in that spooky object uh, lesson, number 18. But it's also what you want. It's a skill I want to have at the show. So if I have little Henley there and she's like, what is that? I want to go, let's go look at it. And she goes, oh, okay, well, that's nothing. And then I have a chance to reinforce her, thereby creating this whole experience to be a new opportunity for positive reinforcement. So I hope this is making sense along the way. It is starting as small and as small as steps as you can, as quiet as you can, and building and introducing more parts and more parts and more parts. And I'm going to tell you, the written part and the written part to me, I separate. I don't want to say it's your first show. We're going to go and you're going to be exposed to all this stuff. And then I'm going to get it on and I'm going to ride you. And I'm going to have my own sense of adrenaline because we're at a show and you're going to have 50,000 horses in the arena with you running at you. And we're going to have, and we're going to have, and we're going to have, I like to introduce the ground part and the experience at first. And the first time I take them to a show, I don't even worry about staying overnight. I say, let's just go and see this environment. And I will take a friend with you and we'll both go a calm friend, a friend that's going to be a good example for you. Because if I brought your nervous friend and they're going to go, see, they don't like this at all. They learn a lot from each other's social learning. So I will bring 
the, the minty type guy to the show or it's like, yep, we just walk around. I don't care. This is all good. And get them to have a few experiences like that and then build that up to where they're doing seeing busier shows and more chaotic shows. Then I may take them and let them stay overnight for a show. And then again, we're going to have sessions where we go walk around and do things and find a place where I can turn them out or graze or do whatever we can do. And then when that's going well, and I feel like, remember, you don't move to the next step until each step before has been solid. And when that step is solid right out of the chute all the way through, then I'm going to build it up to a little bit more, a little bit busier, a little bit more hectic, maybe a different time of day for the show. And then I would build up to saying, okay, we're going to go have an overnight experience now and I will come in and out and in and out and, and be checking on them. But again, I'm going to do it with a friend who is, you know, is pretty settled and I wouldn't need them to be there all day and night, but maybe we come in in the evening and we just stay the night there and then we go home in the morning so that they get used to that experience. And then I separately, when all that goes good and they can deal with that, I go back to the simplest, quietest show and then I will take and do the under saddle work so that at Henley's age will come later. She's not ready for that by a long shot. You know, she might go to a show, though, and be shown in hand. That would be something different. But the under saddle part, there's a lot of components to that. By the time you put all those pieces together where you're ready to show, there, there is a lot of pieces you have put together. When you take it to a show with that shift in context, you are likely to lose a lot of pieces of that. So what you want to do is I would, again, just like with the first part, I might take them and ride them in a new place. And, you know, take it to my neighbor's farm, my friend's farm, where I can ride in a new place that they haven't ridden all the time. And then, and I'll be sure that when they're at home, they can ride with multiple horses in the arena. Then I'll take them to my friend's place and say, can we ride around while you're teaching lessons, you know, and just stay out of the way if that's appropriate. So now they see kind of a little bit more chaos and then build it up to maybe even riding myself in a lesson where I'm kind of split focus on what the person's doing and others might be riding with us when that's all going good. Then I will take them to that quiet, quiet schooling show and say, let's build up from here. Let's get used to. And, and at first when I take them to that schooling show, I wouldn't even show. I would just say, can we go and can we warm up and, and just ride around? Maybe we're just walking around, but can we do, can we up the ante a little bit and do this? And when that's going good, then I might go in the basic schooling show and keep it very simple. No pressure for the horse or myself. It's just to create a good experience. I want to know that I can feed in the uh, the ring. If it's a schooling show or a schooling class, I can go ahead and feed when I'm riding. And who cares? You know, so I don't get scored. I don't care. That's not my thing. My focus is on the horse at this point, not really on the schooling or, or the showing. And then you build up to where you can go further and further. So I hope that progress makes sense to you because it is a... It is a process that I think is well worth your time. So one of the things, the, the, the idioms that people hear me say quite a bit is slow down, you'll go faster. And that's what we're really doing here. Is that a lot of steps? Yes. Does it seem kind of tedious? Yeah, it might. But what you're really trying to do is set your horse up for success. You're taking the time to build a solid foundation. You want to build your training and your horse's experiences on a really solid foundation. And that means you take the time and build that foundation. And, and it takes some time. Who? So be it. But in the long run, you're going to horse have a horse that gets to the show and be like, this is great. I'm good. 
I can focus because that is the challenge. We want to teach them to be able to focus and have success at places that get busier and busier and busier. The teaching them to focus is something I touch on all the time. I want eye contact. I want to know focus is on me. That is something we actually start teaching with Liberty Leading way back in lesson number two. So teaching that focus and maintaining that focus over each and everything we do is really important. And that definitely applies to taking them to a new and chaotic situation. I want it to be all about our relationship and the focus we have together as opposed to all of this hectic stuff that can worry them. So going slow is a really important part of that and building up to that is really important. So I hope that makes sense and, and breaking those pieces down. And you don't always have to do it quite so linearly. <laughs> I might have a hard time with that word too. But, you know, maybe you take them to a little schooling show. But meantime, you went and rode in a lesson at your friend's house with the under saddle stuff. But you just took them to the schooling show to walk around and have them see the experience. But but you could do the other thing, you know, separately. So, but, but work those pieces separate and make sure that you have a horse that is really comfortable and can engage with you and stay focused with you in those new environments. And I guarantee you, as they start getting to the new environment, they're going to look at it as fun. And I like this. And what is that? And I like all these pieces. And it'll be something that is going to add to your showing experience as much as adding to their experience. As I always say, Training should be fun for you and your horse. That is the number one priority. I'd say if there's any rules, that's it. <laughs> it should be fun for you and your horse. So that needs to be the priority. As we go on to showing, showing should still be fun. This doesn't mean it's all willy-nilly, goofy, silly. It doesn't. It means we can do things at a very high criteria and they can still be fun. We can still focus on the horse's well-being as well as our well-being and having a, a time together even when we're competing at higher levels. So I think that is a great place to start and you keep those things in mind and you get out there on some of those little field trips. Okay. So we're going to come back in a little bit and we're going to do the next part, which is our lap part. So you go get um, what I am going to do in this situation where you may or may not really be up for, uh, you may have different parts that you kind of might want to work on or you're not ready for or you are ready for. But what I'm going to do is have Henley in the arena with uh, riding going on around us. So I'm not riding her. She's just a baby. But what I want to do, the component I have found has been a little bit tricky for her is if we are walking like outside the Liberty Paddock and the horses come rushing up. Now they're rushing up in a gaggle. You know, you've got them on the inside. But here come four giant horses playing. That, that can be quite off-putting for her. So this is not going to be quite as big as that. But I want to have her in the arena while two people are taking a lesson. So they only one will be going really kind of quickly at a time, but I want to have her in there and have her out of the way, but where she can kind of feel like she can see that horses are moving around her. So that's the piece I am going to work on today. It, is it one of, of about 50 pieces? Yeah. But it's something that I can do here and now, and I can try it for the first time and see how she goes. So that's what I'm going to do with my horse. So you may have a different component that you are working on. I'm going to pretend that you're doing my part 
and, and you may or may not be, you may be bringing in, you know, some other component to this session and you can adapt it as we go. But I'm going to talk through the Henley part. So I'm going to go get Henley. She's like I said, she's only a yearling. She's not under saddle. I don't have to tack her up, but I'm going to go get her. I'm going to go get lots. I'm going to make sure I have plenty of food for this session. And I am going to grab my clicker and my target because if she loses her way or she starts to go, <gasps> somebody's coming, I can say, hey, Henley, can you target and get her back to the target? targeting and help bring her back to that safe place. So that's what we're going to work on. That's what I'm going to go get ready to do. So you can maybe join us in that if you like to, or maybe you have another piece you're going to work for, but we will meet in the arena and we'll get started with Henley. Okay. Talk to you in a minute. Okay, so I am not in the arena yet. I'm just outside of the arena first. So we have Sebastian and Primo are in, um, and we have Liana and Meredith riding the horses. And they're not actually taking a lesson, but they are going to ride. So it's going to be kind of simulating a, um, I thought they were both in a lesson right now, but they're not. But this is even better because I can talk to them and say, you know, can you, you know, we're going to be over here. We can all be focusing on each other. And I think that will be quite helpful. But there will be two horses there. So the first thing I want to do, they're already in there and warmed up. So the first thing I want to do is have Henley right outside of the uh, arena, but on the rail. So we're right outside the arena and I want them to, to ride by us. So I'm going to have them first ride by at a trot. So a slow trot. You guys, could it be a slow trot? I don't want to feel like too much. I would, it's easier to get yes than once you get, if I get yes, I can get yes and yes and yes and yes and yes. But once you get no, you tend to have, you tend to backslide a little bit and now you have to earn your way back up to yes. So I'd rather start minimal first and then build up to a little bit more. It tends to be a, a better way to set them up for success. So if you guys will start at kind of a slow trot first and if you'll just do half the arena because if it's, too far, I'll be sitting here all day in between. We don't have that much time on our podcast. Okay, so go ahead, you guys. Thank you, by the way. Okay, so here we go. And here comes Meredith and Sebastian. And there, and I have Henley about two feet away from the side. Um, so she can kind of feel, okay, that's perfect. So he, as he was coming up, she kind of looked at me and then, looked back at him kind of a little big eyed and then looked back to me. So I clicked her looking back to me. That is focus. So that was perfect. She's eating. And now here comes Primo. So this is kind of happening in succession. Here comes Primo. And she just looked. Yep. And that's perfect. That's really good. So she was really good. And she, she looked at him. She looked at me. Her eyes didn't quite look like, what am I in for? She looked very much like, oh yeah. Here comes another one. We're good. So that was great. So I reinforced for that. Now here comes Sebastian again. And that was great. And she's not worried about that. And here we go. I can see Primo's almost here. And that was great. So I clicked and reinforced all through that period. So because it started happening really fast. So I'm going to walk her away from the side for a minute so that she can that still, as much as she looked like she was responding well, it can still be a lot for her to take in. So I wanted to say, okay, we're going to go over here for a minute. Let your adrenaline come back down. If it was up, 
it didn't seem like it with the first pass with Sebastian seemed like, and he's big, heavy footed guy. So it's, it seemed like maybe that was kind of her most up and then she got better, but maybe underneath it all, she still stayed a little bit up. So I'm taking her away for a moment. Let that adrenaline come back down. Okay. You guys, can you go to a bigger trot? So now I'm going to bring her back up. Yep, there they go. So they've kind of adjusted up. And so I'm bringing her back over to the gate. So here they come at the, uh, they're going at a bigger trot, faster, quicker, brighter, more expressive trot. And she's more animated trot. And that's great. She's doing really good with that. Okay, that is perfect. All right, you guys, can you get together? So there's two of you coming kind of together. That's good. Hopefully they're good. Okay, so that's really good. So now she's going to feel like there's two horses coming in her direction. And so, and it's same gate. Yes, yes, thank you. And so here they come. And that is, yeah, that's a little bit more worrisome for her. I still clicked and reinforced her because I want her to know it's okay. I want her to see that again. So I'm gonna step her back like a foot or so. So she has a little bit more space to process it and have a better view of it. So here they come again. And that was better. Now I can see she looked at it, but she, and she looked back at me, but I didn't feel like she really let it go. So we're gonna let that happen again. So they're going to go around this half of the arena again. And I'm just going to make sure that she looks a little bit more settled than that last time. And that was good. Okay, good. That was perfect. So I clicked and reinforced her for that. And I'm reinforcing her quite heavily through this whole experience because I'm not asking her to do something. I mean, outside of maybe look relaxed and focused on me. I want her to focus on me. I want to be that the, the main thing. But I want the whole thing to be a good experience. So it is a little classic conditioning in this process. Okay, will you guys go the a different direction now? Switch directions. Okay, so they're gonna come the other way. So just because we got it on one side, I wanna be sure that she's got it on this other side. So as we go along and she is, and I have her back a couple feet still, so she could process it from the other side and that looked really pretty good. So let's do that again. So I'm going to step up another foot. And that was, here they come. And she just is looking at me, actually. <laughs> she's so funny. Now she's just like looking at the floor and other stuff. So now she's very not impressed by them and them coming. It's She's decided this is good. This is safe. So that was really good. I will reinforce that a lot. Okay, will you guys split up and come from different directions and try to cross kind of close to me? You know, so if you can organize it where you cross kind of in front of us, if you can, or as close as you can, that's easier said than done now, isn't it? Okay, so now what I'm doing is I'm trying to, and I'm going to step her back a little bit, even though she's quite comfortable up there, I'm still stepping her back. So now she's going to have two things to focus on. It was one thing that they're, okay, perfect. That was very good. And I'm going to reinforce her there. So why I did that is because it's one thing to be able to focus on this unit of these two giant monsters is what they must seem like to her coming in her direction, but to have one coming from both sides. Now that is more challenging to keep track of. Can we do that again? It's, it's more challenging for her to keep track of. So as she 
you know, now she's got to go, oh, right, left, right, left. What, what, who, it's harder. And so I stepped her back again to let her kind of process that. And I'm going to bring her up a little bit closer and see how she does with that. And that, that was really pretty good. Let's do it again, just to be sure. <laughs> Sorry, you guys. <laughs> and so that was really good. She was, and I reinforced her a lot for that. So now they're doing it again. Okay. And she seems really kind of nonplussed by that now. So now what I'm going to do, I'm going to take her in the arena. So I, so now she knows she has a gate between us. She has this, this fence inside of the indoor arena is a pretty solid gate there. So now I'm going to take her in. So you guys walk. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So now got them back to the walk. So I want them over there for now. And I'm going to take her in here. So I'm not going to be as close as they were with us outside the gate, but I want her to have it be um, horses. Now she is in their space and this can seem like nothing, but to them, it can seem like a whole lot that that fence could have brought a whole lot more security for her than she actually than I realized, you know, so we only know when we try and see. So I'm going to play it safe. I'm going to take her to the middle of it. So we're, we're, we're working only in half of the arena. It's a very large arena. So being so far away isn't quite as helpful. But what I'm going to do is we're going to be in the middle of this half of the arena. It's like 250 feet. So it's, it's still big, you know, it's not tiny. So what I'm going to do is try to get her, um, in the middle of this half and we're going to work in this half of the arena. And how about, um, Meredith, you trot and Liana, you just walk. So on the rail for now. And so she just has one horse to kind of keep track of. That's going to light it up. And as he went to the trot, she doesn't really care. Okay. Liana, can you go up to the trot? So now they're not next to each other anymore. They're in two different places, but they're going in the same direction. So she can kind of keep track of their predictable pattern right now. Okay, so that is good. And can you come off the rail like 10 feet? Okay, so both of you keep trotting, but you're off the rail. So now we've just kind of honed our circle in a little bit closer. So they're now in closer proximity. And they're just doing your average trot. They're not, you know, not extra big or extra slow or small. And that is good. Okay. And now, all right, can one of you, Liana, will you switch directions, please? Thank you. And then now we've got two horses going in two directions. And she still seems pretty calm about this. Okay. That's really good. Okay. Can you go back out to the rail? And how about you guys go in the same direction again, but let's go with the canter. So now we're going to look for the canter. But they're saying they've gone further away. So as they got a little bit closer, they're now going to go further away. And so can you guys canter and, and apart from each other as far as part as you can be. So they're polar opposites. And that is really good. They're going in the same direction. And I'm clicking and reinforcing again through mostly this whole thing. I've been clicking and reinforcing. And extra, really clicking extra whenever she makes eye contact because I want her to focus on me, not them. I want her to trust that we're safe here. Okay, and that is really pretty good. Okay, how about you guys stay on the circle but canter together? So now we have them out on the rail still, but there are going to be two horses cantering. Okay, there they go. Okay, and she's keeping an eye on them a bit. 
But there she goes. And she's made eye contact with me. Okay, that's great, you guys. We're going to be done with it there. So what she did is they're going around. She kind of kept her head following them. And then she kind of looked back at me and said, okay, I I know what they're doing and I'm okay with it. And I want to end it there because that was really good. She got to say, okay, I let go of them and now I'm back to you. And that was perfect. So that was one small element of getting her prepared for more horses, more activity and having multiple things to focus on. So in that situation, that was really good. And I like the biggest part I liked is when she was watching them. That's okay. I'm still reinforcing and saying, see, it's all good. They're going around. It's all good. But when she said, okay, I'm letting go of them. What do you want to do? That was the moment that to me was the perfect part. So that's where I clicked and stopped and fed, 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 had them stop because it's while that activity may seem like a lot for her. So I want to be sure that you looked at me, you actually made that all that, you know, stuff stop as well, which for her may not, she may have even liked it. <laughs> you know, you never know. She's a bold little gal, but anyway, so that was perfect. So I'm going to end it there with her. I'm going to put her, take her home. I'm going to give her a jackpot over here in the arena still, but we have it kind of over in the corner. And then I am going to give her her jackpot or magnitude reinforcement. Then I'm going to take her home. And then I'm going to meet you back in the classroom. So you finish up, find a good place for you to end. And and I'll meet you back in the classroom. Okay, as you can see, there's a lot of pieces to that one too. Like most of these lessons, there is a lot of pieces. That is one that has lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of potential pieces that you can work on. But I hoped what happened is in that in that little exercise, you got to see kind of how we can break some of those pieces down to, to help a horse be really more comfortable at one element of, of the show and, and being in the arena. Okay, so of course, one of the things that people ask all the time, this is probably one of my number one questions, what do you feed your horses? Well, I want to feed them something that really works with their diet. So I want to be something that is going to be adding to their health that is part of their diet and is, is I I don't want to feed them a whole bunch of treats. That's not, I feed some treats, but I feed healthy treats. I feed a lot of times the Cavalier Crunchies, I feel are very healthy. They're good for the horse. Most horses I, I actually haven't met a horse yet who hasn't liked them. So Cavalier Crunchies is a great treat to to offer. But I also want to be sure that their general food that I'm feeding them is quite well. This is what goes in is the horse we get, you know, you, you, that you are what you eat. Well, so are our horses. So I really like the Cavalier feed because it is one of the less processed uh, one of the very least processed foods that we have here in the United States. We tend to process our foods quite a lot. So let's learn a little bit more about what makes Cavalor a nice and healthy food for our horses. As we progress through the clicker training exercises, we talk about feeding the horse each time you use the clicker. Sometimes, most of the time, I use feed, but sometimes I use treats. And I love the Cavalor feed and the Cavalor treats because they use the highest quality ingredients. I can feed a lot of it, and I know it's healthy and a safe alternative to the highly processed feeds. So I think it's important that we can feel really comfortable about feeding a lot of the feed without 
think you are loading them down with sugar. And that's what you get with Cavalor. With the Cavalor feeds, you can also actually see the ingredients. So it looks like a cereal you and I would eat. And in fact, I've tasted it and it's pretty good. <laughs> and the best part is Cavalor's team is easy to work with. You can reach out to them through their website or Facebook page and a real life person will call you back to personally talk through your horse's nutritional needs. Learn more about the products at www.cavalor.us or reach out to them through their Facebook page, Cavalor North America. You'll be glad you did. Okie dokie, homework time. Well, I kind of feel like in this one, we got a lot of the potential for homework was really kind of illuminated in the discussing the different pieces that we really want to evaluate and look at and take a closer look and check on. So I think it is really, it may be specific for your specific show that you're going to. It may be specific quirks with your your particular horse. You know, like some horses, Murray really had a tr had trouble with other horses in the arena. He thought he was going to be run over. And so that was a big piece for him. And 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 I kind of don't know how Henley would be with it because I've seen a little bit of that that maybe when it comes to riding time, but it could be just cuz she grew up in a herd and a group of horses running at you kind of meant you might be run over if you weren't looking out. So I thought, well, that was a good piece to work on for her because she's so bold about things. But you're going to know your particular horse and the particular pieces that you might need to work on. But I would work on, I wouldn't take any of them for granted. You know, try to touch on all the different pieces just because you haven't seen that at home. Do you remember me talking about something called trigger stacking? And trigger stacking is basically adrenaline that piles up and piles up and piles up. So me stepping Henley away from the arena when the horses were going was me letting her, her adrenaline go back down so I could help prevent adrenaline, uh, uh, the, the trigger stacking where we're piling it up. And the, a good example of human trigger stacking is when we're watching a movie, a scary movie. So it's been a long time since I watched a really scary movie, but when I did watch them, you would just get more and more tense as you watch it. You think, are they going in the house? And you know, I don't like tension anymore, so I don't like them so much anymore. But you would get, and you just get all tense. Your adrenaline is piling up and then the phone rings and the phone ring can ring all day long and it never bothers you. But in this situation, when you're, you're, you're trigger stacked, your adrenaline has been piling up and stacking on top of each other, the phone rings and you can just you, you you nearly pee your pants. You, you can be so, it's so startled. But that is a good example of trigger stacking. Well, that happens to our horses too. It happens quite often. So if we can kind of recognize that and give a chance for the adrenaline to go back down, we can have a chance to prevent that. But they go to a show and things that at home may not be a big deal at all, but they get to that show and they're like, but I'm trying to pay attention to the, the people in that booth over there. And I'm trying to pay attention to that, you know, the lady with the burger, whatever. They're just paying attention to a lot of different pieces and it can be a sensory overload. They can't keep track of it all. So I would prepare them by trying to say, let's make sure this isn't just tolerated or okay. Let's make sure it's actually good so that we can really prepare them for things that may at home by themselves be okay. We can pile some of those pieces up so when they get to the show, we can hopefully have each of those components have been addressed in the best situation. 
Now, I guarantee you, at some point, you are probably going to go to a show and something is going to be bigger than you thought it should be. Or, like, the flags weren't a big deal at the other shows, but for some reason it is at that show. And that's okay. Go back to your basic systematic desensitization, counter-conditioning, spooky object, and build up and teach them to, to, to... to build confidence with it, to build a better association with it. So by practicing each of the little things that you can think of and you can recreate at home, the better off that you will be, the better the experience you can make for your horse and the more successful you're going to be to at the shows. Your horse will be more successful because they can concentrate and focus and not be overwhelmed with adrenaline. And the more that you can be uh, concentrate and focus because your horse isn't distracted. So there is... A, a million things you can do. If you find something that becomes a trigger at one show, you go home and you try to practice it, address it there if you can, but it might be something you come home and practice a little bit more. So I don't have precise things to teach you because it, or to, to say rehearse, because I want you to do, to find those things and address it yourself. Using the example I did with Henley and trying to break it down to as many little teeny tiny pieces as I could to think about it coming from each eye, from the right eye, the left eye, from both eyes at once and being closer, being further and and trying to address the different components. You really are helping to set her. I was helping to set her up for success and to set myself up for success. So I hope that helps you out and gives you a lot to think about. Okay. And pretty soon they'll just love shows and they'll just be like, it's all great. I'm good. All righty. Well, you can listen to this lesson of, of the, the Equine Clicker 101 podcast or or all the other lessons or on your favorite podcast players. You can also, on most all of them, I think, really, um, most, well, the ones I know of, you can also listen on Horse Radio Network app, which is available for your Apple device or your Android phone, and you can download it for free. And of course, using apps, we all know, makes things quite easy and easy to track and know when new episodes or lessons come out. Be sure to visit all of the great shows on the Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. And then uh, you can also go listen to all sorts of things because there's so many great shows available on there. I started when Horses in the Morning was new. And Horses in the Morning is a great show. It's very fun. It is, everybody loves that that I've ever talked to. So it's really a great and fun show. And it's where I kind of got my start with Horse Radio Network. And I love them. And then there's serious shows and there's specific disciplines and, and interests and veterinary stuff and feeds and whatever. You know, there's, I don't even know what they all are. So go take a look for yourself and see what piques your interest. And if you want to learn more about me, about uh, Via Nova training, you do want products or you want to submit a question to ask Shauna, you can go to uh, just search Shauna Karish. You'll find shaunacarish.com and you will also find vianovatraining.com. And those two websites are uh, linked and you can find out who, what's going on here and there and everywhere. So you can find out you know, you can, like I said, you can get product or, or find some of these episodes, these lessons, you can find them archived there. And you can also find out what we're up to out here in New Mexico at Nova Training. And you can sign up for our newsletter to know what is is coming and what's 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 on its way. All righty, you guys. Well, I want you to go home and go do your homework and get your horses happy. All right. Till next time. Bye.